The views expressed in this podcast are solely those of the speaker. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not a substitute for professional medical advice from your own physician. Welcome, everyone. My name is Tobias Matei. I'm the deputy editor of the North American Spine Society Journal. And I have here with me today uh, Dr. Inger Ness, who is the author of an article published in the June edition of NASJ entitled Bicycle Related Circle Spine Injuries. Thank you. Thanks for being with us today. And we'll be discussing um, this paper and some of this findings. So, would you mind first introducing yourself, maybe a little bit about your academic background and how did uh, you ended up involved with this research? Thank you, uh, Tobias Montai, and thank you for the invitation. Mm, yeah, so my name is Ingar Ness. I'm a medical doctor, and I currently write my PhD thesis um, out of the uh, Department of Neurosurgery, Oslo University Hospital. So we, we started this project um, uh, because uh, we took note that there was an increasing amount of bicyclists uh, being treated uh, at neurosurgical ward and uh, they really made up uh, quite a substantial amount of the patients that uh, we saw in the daily work um, and at the same time there's uh, the authorities of uh, of oslo is really promoting bicycling as uh, one of the preferred modes of transport so in Europe and Norway now, it's uh, really popular to use bicycles for commuting. And uh, the public numbers and public figures, they're uh, not really correct because they're based on police uh, reported files. Um, and a lot of uh, bicycle crashes are never reported. Um, and, and that's really like the take off point from, from, uh, for, for this paper. Okay, so let's give our listeners a little bit of background of the study. So um, this is a retrospective cohort study of uh, registered data, um, mainly focused on the southeast region of Norway and included about 3 million inhabitants. And basically you evaluated um, the incidence of bicycle-related uh, cervical trauma, and that includes both fractures and cervical spinal cord injuries. So would you like to describe uh, to our listeners the general findings of your study in terms of the epidemiology, the incidence of cervicospinal cord injuries, as well as some of the patterns of fractures you found and some of the um, findings of the multivariable logistic regression analysis you did just to give us a general overview um, uh, of the results. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, okay. So, uh, Basically, the, we compared uh, cervical spine injuries uh, of cyclists to cervical spine injuries of other causes. And mm, we did see a difference in, in the age, like cyclists are generally younger uh, and, and healthier. And so we were, well, not so surprised to see, but uh, there's a, we did find a difference in the fracture types like the cyclists uh, uh, really often, uh, like the second most common fracture was a, a, a occipital condyle fracture, while the odontoid fracture is really common in the general group, but it was more seldom among the cyclists. Um, 
So we did a regression ana analysis to see the differences there. And we found that the occipital condyle fracture was really associated with um, uh, cycling um, and like more advanced uh, serious head injury while the odontoid fractures, they're um, more associated with higher age. So that's some of the general findings. Okay, perfect. And uh, any surprising findings uh, regarding this study? I have several of them that I could mention maybe, and then you can comment on those. So I was very surprised to find like uh, a 16% incidence of um, riding uh, bicycles under the influence of alcohol. And that's something something that definitely has significant importance for policy policy making and for future strategies, um, prevention strategies. Um, there was also the finding that 29% of the cyclists were not wearing helmets. So that's another um, area that certainly uh, could be addressed by uh, programs encouraging um, the use of helmet. Even though you discuss in your papers, I think there's a quite strong literature showing that helmets are protective of uh, traumatic brain injuries, but there's even some literature suggesting that because some helmets may increase the weight of the head, they may make circospine injuries or circospine fractures more frequent. So I'm not sure that the, there's enough consensus in the literature to support that helmets protect against circospinal cord injuries, but it's definitely something that um, is somewhat concerning uh, in terms of safety um, for uh, bike riding. So anything else that you would like to, to mention, or maybe you can comment on some of these findings? So we had, as you said, about 16% uh, uh, of cyclists being under the influence of alcohol. And uh, we have decent numbers or, or the, yeah, decent data. So we know at least 16% uh, were affected um, and I think that's, yeah, the, uh, we were doing some more studies in, in trauma to see if uh, uh, this is uh, reproducible, but we have another study with about 10%. So, um, uh, yeah, don't drink and drive, I guess, or don't drink and ride. Mm -hmm. So um, one of the things you mentioned is about being reproducible, and I would like to ask you because I mean, I, I'm not very familiar with the geography of Norway, and you can tell me if there's any difference between, even among Norway regions in terms of the Southeast region, if you think this is generalizable to the country, uh, but at least in terms of generalizing to the, to the wider uh, worldwide community, uh, I at least have the impression that the Nordic countries are in the forefront of uh, promoting uh, bike riding and non-fossil fuels modes of transportation. So, um, do you think? So, my question: Do you think this is generalizable at least to the Norway population as a whole, and um, maybe to Europe or other countries? Or do you think this is mainly a local phenomenon um, uh, because you have a very high um, uh, incidence of cervical cord injuries? I mean, it seems that 12% of the total patients with um, cervical spine injuries and fractures um, were uh, accidents related to, to bike riding, which is pretty surprising to me. Well, in terms of generalizability, I, I would say yes to Norway. It's a pretty yeah, 
generalizable. Um, in terms of Europe, I would say yes and no, uh, because uh, Netherlands, of course, have a, a lot higher share of bicycle riders than we do in Norway. They, uh, in Amsterdam, they have about 30% of all uh, work commutes being performed by bike. Uh, Copenhagen is probably around 25%, while Oslo is around 7 um, So, of course, that, that's not really comparable. Um, but yeah, to Stockholm, I would say yes, it's probably comparable. Um, to the United States, um, I think it's a bit different. Probably cities like Seattle and New York, uh, there's more um, commuting bicycle these days, am I right? You're right, and I can say even Chicago, but I live in St. Louis, and I would say um, say in most cities, I think uh, th there are a significant proportion of, of spinal cord injuries that are related to bike riding, but I would still say there to say that most bike riding is still recreational and not for commuting purpose. Or even downtown, we have some places here in St. Louis or in uh, one neighborhood in Clayton where you have the, the bike lane. Um, but most of the times it's just to go from that neighborhood to, to, to somewhere close. And if you want to go much further, you have to cross the highway or something like that. So I think we're still lagging behind in terms of, of that type of uh, use of biking for transportation. And one of, uh, so would you like to, do you see any limitations uh, in terms of the methodology of your study and maybe the variables you wanted to analyze or maybe when you're collecting the data, you saw that um, maybe uh, there was no, uh, not a, all, all the, the, the patients had those variables or anything that you think for future uh, database uh, register studies that could be addressed in order to better uh, cover the epidemiology of cervicospine, cervical spine injuries uh, during biking? So uh, with the incidence of 1.7 per 100,000 persons uh, for cervical spine injury, that would be around 90 people in all of Norway. Um, and I think that's a, a, a quite a large number. Um, but um, and a limitation then is that we don't really know how these injuries occurred. Like uh, we haven't really controlled whether they are single bicycle crashes or collision with motorized vehicles. And that information was not available in our registry as it wasn't really made for the study. So, so that's definitely a limitation that could be um, addressed in a follow-up study with the either questionnaires or more like a, a prospective uh, cohort uh, where we actually um, yeah, collect this type of data. And I definitely believe that, I mean, I think this is something that is unique to database or register studies. Usually they provide a very broad overview of uh, a topic, but it lacks some of the granularity for us to be able to establish some of the causal relationships between the findings. So it's very good to describe the findings, but if you want to infer any causation or any meaningful association, um, you run into those type of problems where um, you just don't have uh, the necessary information in terms of the exact mechanism of injury and um, the, the energy involved 
uh, in each injury. So, and, and I don't think there's any limitations in terms of uh, it's an inherent limitation of the type of study and not any flaw in your methodology. So, um, to our readers, what are the main takes so takeaways of this study? I mean, we all know that this is a very important topic, especially um, with the new policies promoting healthier ways of commuting and, and stimulate bike riding. But at the same time, we want people to be healthier and, and, and live um, better lives. Uh, we also want them to to have uh, we will also worry about their safety right so we want to stimulate bike riding but at the same time we want to have policies that that account for um, the safety of, of this type of transportation so what would you say that are the main takeaways of this study in terms especially for policymakers and future prevention strategies in this area mm. Well, I, I think a very cool thing about this study is that it kind of describes um, the daily work of the neurosurgeons at the department and, and with the shift uh, uh, that's been going on with an increasing number of injured cyclists that um, uh, yeah, are at the neurosurgical ward. Um, with the cervical spine injuries. So I believe it's we, we, for policymakers, um, I'm not against cycling. I think it's healthy to cycle uh, and it proves uh, general public health, but the infrastructure needs to uh, be on par. Um, and uh, the status of bicycling in general, I think it needs to be like, um, yeah, like promoted further and uh, that the cities can't be based uh, or developed for cars if you want uh, uh, tra mm, transportations to be performed by bike. I think that's one of the, the main take home messages of this study. And one of the challenges, I, I, I definitely believe that the infrastructure is, is a very good point that you raised because if you really want to um, stimulate that type of transportation you need not only to redesign um, your main um, pathways throughout the city and, and make sure that's done in a well-planned fashion but one of the things that that concerns me and, and interests me is the the aspect of policy making and the aspect of legislation so one of the findings for example that of these studies is that 16 percent of riding of the accidents occurring uh, with individuals under the influence of alcohol it's something very meaningful and i think it's a very good target uh, to address um, i'm just not sure how feasible that is um, at least not in the american environment to require or to um, in some way um, bring liability for people that are uh, biking under the influence of alcohol. And that's mainly because, I mean, it's not something that requires a license from the government. It's a personal activity. You could argue that they, they put out other people uh, under risk, even uh, pedestrians and maybe those uh, involved, uh, those driving their cars involved in the accidents. But I just don't see a, an easy way in the same way we have legislation against driving under the influence of alcohol and it's a misdemeanor and you can um, be charged with that, you can lose your license. I find it somewhat hard to come up with legislation um, 
to forbid riding under the influence of alcohol. Although I'm 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 all for it, and, and but I can see in the future. I think this is going to be mainly focused on educational strategies and campaigns rather than any formal um, policy to to address the issue in a more strict way. I don't know what's, what's your opinion and maybe taking account the legal system in Norway, do you think that that could be done in a different way? So in terms of alcohol, um, it's already legislated against um, over here. So you, you might, uh, might actually lose your driver's license if you are caught um, uh, with, uh, uh, yeah, biking in a very non-safe way for either yourself or for pedestrians or, or other um, yeah, people what, on the street. What do you say? Because, I mean, do, do you, so what, what happens if you're riding your bike under the influence of alcohol? Do you, do you lose your driver's license in Norway? Uh, at the worst case scenario, yes. But it's, it's not as harsh as uh, if you would be caught under the influence when you ride a car. But uh, worst case scenario, you may lose your driver's license. Okay, that's very interesting. Um, and the same thing about, about the helmet. I think it's a little bit easier, for example, to regulate motorcycles because the license itself, it's, uh, it's related to, to riding the motorcycle. Um, but uh, I was wondering if you, you, if you can see this happening or if there is even already a policy there that uh, requires the use of helmet for bike riding and if there are any consequences uh, in terms of liability for the individual that because ultimately this is is mainly self-protection right so it's not that the government shouldn't be um, addressing the issue but at some point you have to draw the line and, and there's a broader discussion about whether the government should be enforcing um, measures that are good for you but ultimately you decided not to pursue the route so what about the uh, helmet use so for helmet use uh, i think different countries have taken quite um, uh, different approaches to it uh, in australia i know they legislated it and it seemed to be working like most riders there now use their helmets in Netherlands, they haven't legislated and really very few uh, by, by, uh, bicyclists use them. Um, in this study, we did find that it didn't seem to affect uh, cervical spine injuries uh, in, in, in any way, really, um, which is also found in a decent review. You talked, uh, discussed it a bit earlier. Um, but I still, um, we did see that uh, con the number of concomitant head injuries were fewer among the riders that did use helmets. So I do believe they really work uh, to protect your, your head towards injuries. Um, in Norway now, I think, uh, or in this paper, we found that 70% of, of, of bicyclists did wear them, which is uh, quite a good number, uh, seeing it's not legislated by law. Um, and I, I think the way it, it, we did it, like it's really promoted by traffic organizations and the government to wear the helmet. Um, and it's really succeeded for the last, yeah, I would say probably 15, 20 years 
to increase uh, the rate of helmet wearing in the population. Mm, it, it's a good way to do it because if there's a few people that really don't want to wear it, they're allowed to not wear it. Um, and as you said, uh, it's a personal safety choice, but um, there's a lot of papers um, showing that it really works to protect your head from serious injury. So it's also a public health uh, topic, yeah. One other interesting uh, topic that I found, and maybe you can comment on that, because I was not familiar with that, and, and maybe our listeners uh, might have never heard about that, but uh, you mentioned uh, a combined helmet-neck brace uh, airbag called Swedish Hovding. Uh, how common is that? And would you would you like to describe to us? I, I was just wondering. I mean, that seems to be a pretty effective way of of preventing not only head injuries but also addressing the surface uh, spine injuries. And I was wondering how would be the acceptance of that uh, maybe in the American environment. So, uh, as you mentioned, the new uh, Hövding uh, helmet, uh, it's uh, actually a, like an airbag helmet, and it's a neck brace uh, designed as an airbag neck brace um, that on impact, um, it inflates and covers your neck and your head. So it's, uh, well, I have uh, no disclosures, um, mm -hmm. I just find as an interesting uh, device or new helmet. Um, so it's made in Sweden and it's becoming increasingly popular in, in Sweden and Stockholm. And it's available in regular sports stores also here in Norway and Oslo, but it's not too common yet. Um, the, the experimental studies are, are quite good, uh, also performed by independent um, researchers. But I don't. We don't really know how how effective it it is out on the streets. For sure. And as a physician that regularly treats uh, cervical spine cord injuries in our level one trauma center, I can tell you these are always catastrophic situations. Especially taking account um, if you are treating patients that are polytrauma. And I think in your study you found the average age to be around the. Uh, what, like 50, 55 years old. So you're already dealing with a population with some degree of comorbidities. So it's not uncommon to see a patient that was still fully functional and, and working and they come with a high cervical spinal cord injury. And you have to tell the family the patient is going to be either tetraplegic or tetraparatic with significant functional limitations. And um, at that point, I'm, I'm always... Uh, mindful that how important prevention is and i mean even if you have to um, wear such type of devices and even if it prevents one cervical spine cord injury in every 10 or, or 100 crashes uh, if you look how um, catastrophic uh, from the social economic and, and especially from the personal standpoint for the patients these injuries are it's definitely something that um, it kind of strikes us as neurosurgeons. Um, my feeling is that we can always do the surgery to stabilize the spine and reduce the pain. Um, in cases with incomplete spinal cord injury, we can do a laminectomy and preserve residual function and try to regain some function, but that's still far from being an effective therapy in terms of mitigating the damage that, that already happened. So, I mean, definitely these high-energy traumas 
um, are an area in, in which our therapeutic resources are limited to the point that um, I believe that significant economic um, resources should be employed in prevention strategies. Um, anything else you would like to highlight regarding your research? I was very excited reading the, this article, especially with the 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 the, the, the number uh, um, of patients that you evaluated. The comprehensive nature of this uh, registered database that encompasses the past five years, and I think it reflects uh, very well. As you mentioned, at least the, the overall environment in Norway, probably in some of the Nordic countries, and um, it always gives us an idea of uh, what may lay ahead for us here in the US, especially if we engage uh, more proactively in terms of stimulating this type of healthier ways of commuting and uh, reducing the uh, transportation with the fossil fuel uh, vehicles. Uh, so I was very excited and it's a pleasure to have this published in our journal. Um, anything else you would like to, to, to tell our listeners? I think we covered it quite well. Okay, perfect. It's been a great pleasure yeah. to have you in our podcast and uh, we look forward to future researchers from our group, either in this topic or um, in, in other similar topics. 